from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is the Thai Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. Great to have you with us for Thai Cats This Week. I'm RJ Broadhead. He is Luke Tasker. It's the Eastern Final. The season continues, and we're down to the final four in the CFL. And if you look at the standings and the statistics, it's kind of the way it should have played out. First and second in the West, first and second in the East. However, in the West, I would say, with all due respect to Saskatchewan, Luke, Winnipeg would be heavily favored. With Toronto and Hamilton, even though Toronto won three of the four games, a lot of the experts have picked Hamilton to win this game. I tend to lean that way, but maybe I might be slightly biased. How do you see an underdog or a favorite in this matchup? Yeah, the season... uh, uh record one in three, uh, Hamilton went against Toronto. Uh, if you saw that stat line alone and had to make a guess, well, obviously, you know, you would, you would make a good bet on Toronto. Uh, but it's just like Toronto has been all year. That doesn't exactly tell the whole story in my opinion, but that said a win is a win. Uh, Hamilton has had, has struggled since that labor day matchup with Toronto, which was their only, uh, win. And, but I tend to I tend to see this the way that you and a lot of uh, uh, thinkers around the league are are saying. I, I don't that that one in three record does not tell a whole story of this game. Um, there's been uh, a, a few times in, in those games against Toronto where Hamilton has really uh, done it to themselves. Uh, they've played a few mistake heavy games and they haven't done that against other teams. Um, so it. Uh, on the flip side of that, it is kind of hard to go right back into Toronto where you played maybe your worst game, at least of the second half of the season, uh, just a few weeks back. But uh, so, so they need to, the Ticats will have to overcome that uh, challenge. But uh, this game, this game could, could go either way. I think if the Ticats play the way they did um, in most of the second half of the season, then that one in three, uh, uh, regular season record with Toronto will not will not be the uh, be the deciding uh, stat in this in this weekend. Yeah, it's funny when you look at Hamilton's statistics and there's those Toronto games mixed in, and it it's totally the opposite of of what they've done in a in a lot of games. So they just haven't been themselves in in a weird way. Yeah. Maybe it gives Toronto a false sense of security. You know they'll be prepared. But what's interesting about Toronto is. They haven't played a, a meaningful game since November the 12th, that game against Hamilton that they won pretty handily. But that's over three weeks since uh, an important game, over three weeks since McLeod Bethel Thompson has played and the starters have played because they had that Edmonton game mixed in there that didn't mean anything to the Argonauts, so it was a yeah. lot of their practice roster players. Do you think that's a factor at all where the Tiger Cats have been up top level, they have to win, they're desperate, and... Argonauts haven't felt a game like that in close to a month. Yep, and and that game uh, against Sask for the Ticats end of the season, yes, it ended up not being meaningful, but the week of prep was meaningful. They didn't know till the night before that they were going to be able to have their spot uh, as second place in the East locked, uh, you know, without that game. So, yeah, that that Sask game almost seems like it actually played out to be kind of meaningful on its own. Um uh, and so it's very, it's very different. And I go back and forth about this. I think, I think, I think it's silly to, to, to make a case that the bye week uh, you know, that's impactful and, and, and mostly, uh, you know, it's the, it's physically, these guys have gone through a very long season. So that bye week is, is great. That is a real, a, a real bonus to the team that gets that. 
and I don't want to understate that, but it, it is hard. I mean, these guys almost had a had a month off of football. It, it's kind of um, you know, and that, that's what Winnipeg has had in, in the West as well. I think it depends team by team who's who can come back from that uh, playing their their you know highest and best uh, uh, level, and uh, a mature team would do that. But it's there's a challenge of its own there. You know, I think it's uh, it's not it's not impossible that you actually you know you get a little bit uh, you know I don't know out of out of that game game mindset. You know, you get in that rhythm every week. You get back into a game, and when you take this long of a break, um, it just depends. I, I want to say so. You know, if you if you could pick before the season, you're going to take a bye week. You're going to take first place, no doubt yes. about it. But that doesn't mean there's not a few challenges to overcome in that uh, when you're in that uh, seat as well. And we'll see how Toronto, especially in the first quarter, how they how they come out and uh, and, and and start this game. There are definitely some positives for Toronto. Eric Rogers, their receiver, they so reliable. Use him a lot on second downs, but uh, uh, he'll be back, so that's uh, good for Toronto. And Dexter McCoyle Senior was question mark. It sounds like he'll probably play too. So a bye week will definitely help them with a, a couple of injuries. Uh, I'm convinced, Luke, that teams can't run the ball against Hamilton. The defense just keeps proving it. The 29 yards they held William Stan back to was was phenomenal. They were aggressive. They got after Trevor Harris. This this defensive line, I thought it was their their best game of the season. What did you think? Uh, absolutely. I think they defined the, the Eastern semifinal. So and it was an interesting uh, sort of epic. Uh, those four quarters for that D-line was interesting. They had those two co- actually costly penalties on the first drive. Dylan Wynn, in fact, was was the uh, was the penalized player both of those times. And it, it looked af- right off the start of the first quarter, the D-line was sort of weighing down the Ticats. And by, by, you know, four quarters later, three hours later, it was the D-line who had really sealed the deal for the Ticats. They forced... Uh, I believe it was four uh, turnovers in the backfield. They had uh, sacks all around. They ended the game with a final big sack, which was Dylan Wynn to sort of put the the uh, the nail in the coffin uh, and sort of uh, confirm his positive impact uh, on the game. And they've been an impressive unit all year. Uh, those guys controlled uh, the flow of the game. Uh, we've talked all year that defense has had a knack for stealing back momentum in moments where it, it appeared like the opposing offense was was starting to to, to pick up speed a little bit. Um, oftentimes, in the form of a turnover, they've had a they've had a knack for for doing that in a very timely way. Uh, it was it was hands down the the most outstanding player was was the front four for for the Ticats. You mentioned Dylan Wynn. I talked to him about those penalties. He said, hey, that's on me. I can't do that. I I hurt my team. And he said, but it was good because then he knew what the protocol was from the the referee. And he mentioned Montreal got called a couple of times for it too. So it kind of gave him perspective and he had to adjust his game. And that's, you know, great players never point a finger. They put it on themselves and and he made an in-game adjustment and was terrific. And I told him about you too saying uh, when he had that fumble recovery <laughs> that I said, Luke said, Dylan Wynn is the last guy that you want to get into an arm wrestle with over the ball. And he laughed and said yeah. he almost lost it because uh, Julian Hauser, when he got the big 45 <laughs> yard fumble return, he was trying to get up and run with it. And remember it, it was oh, close. Yeah. It was oh, close. Yeah. It looked like he might've lost it just before the whistle. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And you know, and he is a, he is a guy who's going to, 
you know, put the put the blame on himself and give the credit to his to uh, his unit. But he really did stand out in a personal uh, performance after that first drive of the uh, Eastern semifinal. Yeah. And Montreal got a field goal on that first drive. So and it was a slow start for the Hamilton offense. But the defense, the six sacks. Two for uh, Dylan Wynn, two for Jagera Davis, Julian Hauser had one. Uh, so that defensive line was was fantastic. The offense, 206 net yards. Don Jackson, not a huge factor. Three receivers with over 50 yards, which was which was good. But Stephen Dunbar targeted four times, didn't have a reception. It's it's not what we've seen from this offense over the last couple of months, really, since that. Uh, Two Toronto games ago where Jeremiah Masoli started putting up some big numbers. They were the benefactors of some short fields. Are you concerned at all about the offense heading into the Eastern final? No, and I think you, you touched on a key point there. If you you and I were in the booth at the end of the first half, uh, the Ticats had a, a, a comfortable lead. Things were looking good. And then you look at the stat line and it was like they had less than half the production offensively that Montreal had, but they had already started past center field multiple times, which is a huge, huge uh, checkbox for in a game. I mean, that's what the, that's what the special teams and defense are trying to do. Give the offense a short field to work on. So yeah, they were benefactors of a short field. That's, that's not a knock on the offensive production. If you only have to go 50 yards to score, then that's all you get to go. So uh, interesting about the Steven Dunbar uh, junior, his semifinal, the semifinal game for, for uh, Dunbar junior, we did see a number of uh, missed chances, whether they were overthrows, whether they were miscommunications as to the depth of routes, whatever. We're not privy to that knowledge, but there were some missed opportunities. I think if you're going to make a mistake as a quarterback, and if that is, if those were cases of overthrown balls, well, then overthrow them because the worst, the, the, the more, the more, uh, burdensome mistakes that quarterback makes is turning the ball over. And so we have seen that in the second half of the season, Jeremiah, especially in that last Toronto game, I think there was some cases where, like I said, either it was an overthrown ball or uh, just being on a different page between the receiver and Mazzoli. Uh, that's, that's the, the less, less harmful mistake to make. Um, if the Hamilton offense can continue to uh, end games with a positive turnover ratio, uh, and of course, offensively, that means not turning the ball over. Well, then they're giving themselves a great chance. You're going to make mistakes. Um, it's about mitigating the most costly ones. So Brandon Banks, not a great regular season. He was banged up and he comes out. He was the leading receiver, scored his third touchdown in his last four games. Were you surprised that he had a, a big playoff? I, I'm, I think I know the answer. <laughs> absolutely not the speedy b show speedy b is going to show up when it's when it's uh needed the most he's just uh he's a football player to his very very core and uh guys like that uh know when it's when it's uh time to to make it happen and it's not like you know that you could sort of hear that and 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 read that as as well why not just do that all the time and that's just not the way that sports are it's not the way athletics work uh you're always trying to win doing your best but it it, it comes down the best players make the best plays in the in the most important time so excited to see to see that uh uh in the uh east final here again Looking at some of the statistics now that the regular season's done and a playoff game is in the books, Hamilton trailed just four times all season at the half. In the first two games against Winnipeg and Saskatchewan, which basically were, were write-offs, it, uh, right. it wasn't the Hamilton Tiger Cats that we saw later in the season, and twice 
against Toronto. They were the only team to have that first half success. And then the fourth quarter was interesting too. Hamilton outscored opponents just four times in 15 hmm. games. And that includes the East semifinal against Montreal where they, they outscored Montreal 3-2. So not a lot of scoring, but some definite trends there. It's, Hamilton gets off to that good start and finishing has been an issue, but they're they're getting the job done. Do you read anything into those statistics? I, I think that their fourth quarter performances have got better, you know, on average in the second part of the season. There certainly was a stretch early and into the mid part of the season there where fourth quarters were a real thorn in the side for the Ticats uh, as a team. And I think I think they've improved on that. I do think that they've started well. And I I actually remember a few years uh, in my time where we had it was kind of a hard we we struggled starting the first quarters were sort of unproductive. Um, that stat is interesting. They've had they've 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 started off the games with with uh, with production with success. Um, the CFL uh, is not an easy it's not an easy league to keep that a a, a, a tight fourth quarter lead intact. Uh, it's just, it's just not as was teams start to open up and play three down football. And then the, the, the last three minutes of never seem to end it. It can be hard to, it, it's hard to do. So I, we have seen a couple of times the Ticats struggle with that. Um, this last, this one week ago uh, in the Eastern semifinal was an example of, of where they've come. I think on that, on that fourth quarter stance, uh, especially defensively, I mean, really, really tightening it, tightening down and not playing overly, overly <laughs> defensive to use a, you sort yeah. of a, sort of a bad, a bad, uh, term there, but the, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they were still aggressive. They still brought blitzes that front four, like we talked about was impactful through the fourth quarter. Um, and I think, uh, I think when Hamilton's been at their best, they've stayed aggressive, both offensively and defensively. The only time Hamilton was shut out in a half was the last game against Toronto, so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that on Sunday to see if the Tiger Cats can get off to a better start. That really, really hurt them in that game. They dug a hole. I'm I'm fascinated to see how this East final plays out. I, I really liked the Tiger Cats game against the, the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, you know, you look at the record, Toronto, two of those wins were by one point, and those games can go either way. So going into Toronto where they've been perfect, haven't lost this year at home, the Argonauts, uh, what are you looking at in this game? What are some keys and, and what are you expecting? The last game in Toronto, Ham one of Hamilton's worst performances of the year would have gone so different if that if a few of those plays would have connected in the first quarter. Things would have shaped up very, very differently. So two things here. I, I I want I need we need to see offensive production in the pass game for Hamilton in the first in the first half of this game. On the flip side of that, if Hamilton can continue to be as stout against the run as they have been, and and the reason that I point that out is if you force teams to to go through the air, that front four makes makes for quick quick force decisions from quarterbacks. They they collapse pockets quickly, and I do believe that there is no better secondary in the CFL than, than the Ticats secondary force, force teams to try to pass. And all of a sudden mistakes, mistakes will happen. If a team can keep the ball in their hands and run and maintain the clock and, and get first down after first down that wears down the defense and gives Jeremiah Masoli and his offense, no time to get, to make to get into rhythm. So the run defense for Hamilton and the passing offense attack for, for the Ticats. 
Uh, I am looking forward to it. Are, are we wearing black? Are we doing that still? Oh, I think we're doing it. No one's going to see okay. us. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, no, <laughs> we no, do but our part. <laughs> for you listeners, just know we're going to be blacked out in the booth. Don't worry about it. We got it covered. <laughs> Hopefully we see lots of Tiger Cats fans at BMO Field in Toronto. And uh, it's the East final, a chance to make it to the Grey Cup. Of course, it's at Tim Hortons Field. We all know that. And the Tiger Cats would like nothing better than to be there and snap that Grey Cup drought that's been going on for way too long. So, uh, Luke, I, I can't wait to see you Sunday. I can't wait for the game. It is going to be exciting and one win away from the Grey Cup. It's right there. It's all culminated to this. That's right. Very exciting, RJ. Can't wait to, to uh, get in the booth and call a great game. All right, that's Ticats this week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. We will have the game for you. Kickoff is at 12.30, so it's an early kickoff, and uh, Ticats Audio Network begins coverage at 10.30 a.m. Got to get Bubba O'Neill and Courtney Steven up nice and early, and then Louis B. and Andy Fantuz have Ticats pregame at 11.30, and then it all gets started at 12.30. Can't wait to talk to you then. Ticats, Argonauts in the East Line. The Ticats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. Like and subscribe to get their preview the last weekday before every Ticats game.